0: He's a small character in the comics, and a small character in the comics. On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Ant-Man. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, LaRamie Wells, and joining me today is Reese Fowler. Welcome back, Reese. Oh, thank you,
1: LaRamie. Appreciate it. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be here with you on Moving Panels. I'm glad to be back.
0: Glad to have you back. Uh, and we are talking about Ant-Man, a, a fun and uh, a little different uh, MCU movie from the ones that had come before it. I really enjoyed Ant-Man. I thought it was uh, it was just a really good movie,
1: uh, well done in my opinion, because it had a lot of extra humor that you don't normally see in these uh, action movies.
0: Uh, well, let's go ahead and get into some the background. So the movie was released July 17th in 2015. Uh, But did you know that this movie almost got made back in the 80s? No, I had not heard that before. Yes. So Marvel's parent company at the time, uh, before they were owned by Disney, Marvel's parent company was a company called New World Pictures. I've heard of them. And funny enough, they actually wanted to beat Disney to the theaters with a movie about a shrinking character. Not Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, though. So... Disney had a movie by the title of Teeny Weenies. Okay. And New World Pictures wanted to beat them to the punch using uh, the Ant-Man character from Marvel. Uh, Of course, it didn't happen, and Teeny Weenies did get made first under the name Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ah, there you go. Uh, Now, of course, their version was going to feature Hank Pym, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that was going to probably end up being problematic but we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. But th- we're talking about this one, the 2015 one. But I, but I have to ask, Reese, what do you think a 1980s Ant-Man movie would have been like?
1: Probably very cartoonish. I, I can just see a lot of uh, stop motion, maybe. A lot of, I don't know, maybe claymation. They were into that kind of thing back then. It, it just it seems like it would not be as well done as it was done
0: in 2015, Oh, that's definitely <laughs> for sure. true. Not at all. Uh, but So you're looking at, I mean, of course, Marvel's first movie, which we have yet to do an episode on, Marvel's first movie was Howard the Duck. So that was an 80s comic book
1: movie. I do remember, and Howard looked so animatronic, so unrealistic.
0: And then the Punisher movie in 1980. You familiar with that with Dolph Lundgren? I, I remember it being made. I don't think I ever saw it. Yeah, no. The '80s would have been a very interesting. I really do think they would have done the the suit kind of more like the comic book. It would have looked like a onesie, you know, leotard, and then the big round helmet with the antennas. Ah, yes, I do recall that. But this one, the 2015 one, uh, was actually the MCU version was originally all in the hands of Edgar Wright. Are you familiar with Edgar Wright? I do not know Edgar. So Edgar Wright is probably best known for his work with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I do know Simon Pegg, yes. Yeah, so their movies, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz. Okay. And World's End. Those are all movies that Edgar Wright worked with them on. Okay. Uh, Edgar Wright also did the movie uh, Baby Driver. Have you seen Baby Driver?
1: Well, funny story, Stephanie was actually a back-scene character in Baby Driver. So
0: yeah, we're familiar with that one. Well, there you go. Well, that is an Edgar Wright film. Ah, okay. So Edgar Wright was originally not only the director, but he wrote the initial script for Ant-Man. Okay. I have to say it was very well done. I
1: enjoyed it immensely.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll get into this, but he still had a lot of... uh, a lot of his hands in what we eventually saw. Uh, He started work on the film in 2003, uh, but then he left the film in May of 2014. And according to him, it was due to differences in his and Disney or Marvel's vision of the film. It took him that long to come to that conclusion. I guess. I don't know if it, I don't know if it just took them that long. Well, you got to think the MCU didn't exist in 2003. No, when we no started it. You know, the MCU didn't kick off till 06 with Iron Man. Right. And then it wasn't established until 2012 with Avengers. All right. Yep. So you are really looking at it, it was right there. I mean, 2014. You know, they're now going Yeah, I think Marvel and Disney are now saying, "Okay, this is where what we want these movies to be. This is what we want them to look like." And maybe they did. They had differences, so it happens in all relationships. It happens. Yeah. So what what uh, Edgar Wright has said is he wanted to make a Marvel movie, but he didn't feel Marvel wanted to make an Edgar Wright movie. Okay, if that makes sense. That does make sense to me. Yeah, and of course, again, you're familiar with Edgar Wright. He does. He's a very stylistic director. He does have his kind of style right. to those movies. Now, Adam McKay would then be brought on a week later. But so I actually have the dates here on May 30th. So on May 30th, uh, Adam McKay came in to work on the movie. And the very next day on May 31st, he bowed out once he found out that it was because they did not want to work with Edgar Wright.
1: Okay. That's interesting.
0: So yeah, he kind of bowed out because it was out of respect for his friend. He, you know, Adam McKay and Edgar Wright are really good friends, and so Adam McKay did not feel it was right for him to take over something that he thought should be Edgar's. Edgar's, there you go. But Edgar Wright did stay on as a writer, and the movie that we see now is pretty much Edgar Wright's foundation. It was kind of his blueprint, but they just rewrote it to more fit the style, I guess, that Marvel wanted for their MCU movies. Okay. Um, funny enough, Paul Rudd actually helped write some of the final script.
1: And that makes sense. I mean, Paul Rudd really makes the movie itself, and, and his character, the way he played Ant-Man, was spot on. I really, you talk about other people who could have played that character, I don't think anyone could have done it as well
0: as he did. I always find that hard to to imagine, though, when especially superheroes. I mean, when you have a superhero that is just perfect for that superhero. Just it's hard to imagine anyone else playing that character. Right. But then in June, they announced that Peyton Reed would come on as director. And that is who the director of this movie is, is Peyton Reed. But again, Edgar Wright is still credited for writing the screenplay. He is still credited as an executive producer. Um, So again, this is kind of the foundation that he created, that he built So you can still give him his credit. Good deal. Let's do that. Way to go, Edgar Wright. (laughs) So let's get into the characters. We, are of course, going to start with Ant-Man himself, Scott Lang, as we just mentioned, played by Paul Rudd. Uh, Scott first debuted in the comic books in Avengers number 181 back in March of 1979. What were you doing in
1: 1979? Oh, let's see. I was uh, probably seventh or eighth grade. Okay. Not a whole lot, trying to find my way through, because you know we had a, a high school that was seven through twelve, so I was trying to figure myself out, and then, what am I doing here?
0: Well, there was a little bit of that going on with the character of Scott Lang as well. Yeah. Uh, he was created by David Micheline, and I apologize if I mispronounce that, and John Byrne, and he starts off as just, he's a technician working for Tony Stark. There's no, like, really background to him. We don't really know a lot. We just know that he's this technician working for Tony Stark. Okay. They then later would give him this backstory where you found out that he was uh, an engineer, uh, you know, a technical engineer, and that he was extremely brilliant and smart. And they do go the route of him being a criminal. And we'll get into that a little bit more with the moving panels, because that's really kind of the main Art that connects okay. to the comics, so okay. we'll get into that a little bit more, but that is when we uh, first meet Scott Lang. He does not become Ant-Man until the next month, and that happened in Marvel premiere number 47 in April of 1979. That is when he first we first see him as Ant-Man, when he first gets the suit and he becomes Ant-Man. And okay. of course that is the first appearance of Cassie, his daughter as well. Right. Cause that is tied to the motivation of why he becomes Ant-Man. Very nice. So thoughts on, uh, Paul Rudd playing. Yeah. I know you kind of mentioned it already, but yeah, again, just love Paul
1: in that part. He, uh, he really plays the character. Well, he, he drags you into his world and makes, makes you a believer that he became that character. Uh, and in the movie, you mentioned uh, from the comics, he was a, an engineer, and I, I like how they kept that little piece
0: in the in the movie as well. I think it's a it's a very even just to be a subtle thing. It's a very pivotal part of his background, right? To actually be the intelligent, have that genius aspect of him, I should say.
1: Right, right. He's a smart guy. He's not just a Joe Schmo off the street.
0: You know, I th- I should have asked you this. Uh, when did how did you see Ant-Man originally? Did you see it in theaters? Did you? I,
1: I did. The first time I saw it uh, was in the theater, so got the whole big screen
0: experience. It was very nice. very nice. And when did you see it? I'm stealing some of this. Tim, I apologize. I'm stealing some of this from your podcast. When did you last see it before you had to watch it for the show?
1: Oh, my goodness. It was probably, you know, you catch bits and pieces of it on TV every once in a while, but uh, to sit down and watch it from beginning to end, Probably uh, a year ago.
0: Okay. Uh, back to Paul Rudd though. Do you know how how old Paul Rudd was? Was as he was playing Scott Lang here? I would say he probably looked in the movie like he was in his
1: mid thirties. Uh huh. I'm sure in the comics he wasn't supposed to be in
0: his mid thirties. Well, uh, listen, I'm not even just talking about the character. Like, how old do you actually think Paul Rudd was? How old was Paul Rudd? Uh, forty three. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you at least thought he was in his 40s. You said he looked like he was in his 30s, though. Does it look like, yeah. Uh, He was 46. Oh, okay. That was close. Yeah. 46. So, yeah. Paul Rudd. Man does not age. He didn't. Man does not age. So going a little bit back to this, let's again, like I said, we'll do a lot more Scott Lang talk in the moving panels. so that's really the main connection. So okay. I want to move on and talk about Hank Pym.
1: Hank, uh, Michael Douglas, uh, another great choice of of character there. I just, I like what he brought to the screen in in that
0: character. Yeah, so we're introduced to Hank Pym, who was the original Ant-Man. You know, find out he was Ant-Man back, you know, in the, I guess, 60s, 70s. Right. And then gave it all up when his wife disappeared, who was the original Wasp. So, Hank Pym first appeared in Tales to Astonish. Okay. Tales to Astonish, number 27, in January of 1962. And just like with Scott, though, that's just when we're introduced to Hank Pym. Not the actual character he played. No. But in this, because Tales of Astonish was, again, just like these individual, almost like one-shots. They were just this these crazy stories. And in this... Hank Pym is a scientist who shrinks himself and then he's chased by a bunch of ants and bees. And, you know, he has this horrific experience. Okay. Being a small, you know, kind of like you would see in those like bee movies back in the 60s and, (laughs) and all. And 70s, you know, Empire of the Ants. That was
1: my favorite bee movie ever. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, you need to watch that one for sure. Uh, but then so he shows real. up
0: as he shows up as Ant Man in Tales to Astonish number thirty-five in September of nineteen sixty-two, okay. um, and I I mentioned that I wanted to talk about Tales to Astonish when Cross is giving his speech at the beginning of the movie when Darian Cross is giving his speech, right? Uh, and Hank Pym is there. He addresses Hank, and then he says. I can't remember the exact line, but he says something like, why don't you tell us one of one of your tales to astonish?
1: I don't remember that.
0: Yeah. I'd... Go back and watch it. He says it, and I, uh, I love that he said that. It's a little nod to, just any, a, to the comic a, he was introduced in.
1: A little shout out there for sure.
0: Yeah. Hank Pym, Ant-Man, was created by the legendary team of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, along with Larry, uh, Larry Lieber. I apologize there. Um, so yeah, another one of those characters, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. I gotta tell you, if you love a Marvel character, chances are one of the two, if not both of them are behind him. That's fantastic. Ant-Man, Hank Pym, was a founding member of the Avengers. So kind of interesting that he was not one that they chose to actually use when they decided to make the movies and make the Avengers. Um, yeah. Though Ant-Man is one of the founding members. So
1: they waited until, what, their Phase
0: 2 to bring him out? Kind of, because it was right at the end of Phase 2 and then the beginning of Phase 3. Okay. Which was where I think that Ant-Man movie falls, because it was right at Civil War. Right. Which is where, you know, obviously that comes after Age of Ultron, because I actually think this movie technically falls as the last movie in Phase 2. Is where I actually think is where okay. Ant Man falls. Uh, there's actually a reason why they probably decided not to use Hank, and we're about to get into that. So first off, Ant Man didn't really have his own. He actually never, until you know they started doing collections of stuff. Ant Man never had his own long-running comic series. There has never been an Ant Man comic.
1: Right. It was just a character in somebody else's. Right.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh again, they would later put in put collections of stuff and do like an Ant-Man run. Now, after the movie and the popularity of Scott Lang's Ant-Man, there would be some Ant-Man runs, but honestly Hank Pym Ant-Man never had a comic run.
1: Well, that's unfortunate.
0: Well, and it's also interesting, we talked, you know, we're just talking about Age of Ultron, in the comic books, Hank Pym is the one who invents, creates Ultron. Now, did they ever allude to that fact in uh, any of the
1: Marvel movies before that, like when Age of Ultron was coming out, did, was Hank ever mentioned in any of that?
0: No. I wonder no, why they, they... they completely changed that. I mean, you look back at Age of Ultron, it's Tony and Bruce Banner who right. pretty much are the ones responsible for creating Ultron. Okay. Yeah, there's no mention to Hank Pym uh, prior to that. Can't help but wonder why. Well, let's get into that. I do okay. think there's a reason why they tried to avoid Hank Pym at all costs. So, in the comic books, Hank Pym and Janet Pym, Janet Van Dyne in the right. movie, they had a very rocky relationship. It's probably the best way to put it. Okay. Of course, he was Ant-Man, she becomes the Wasp, and she actually became a little bit more successful than he did as a superhero. Okay. And he became a little bit jealous of that, I and can see he that. Yeah, he he kind of became verbally abusive to her. Yeah, we don't like that. Yeah, and then we get to Avengers number two thirteen, and in that comic, uh, Hank Pym, who at the time was going actually by the character Yellow Jacket. Um, so okay. Th- in the comics, and we'll talk a little bit more this when we're talking about the actual character. Yellow Jacket was not a villain. Yellow Jacket was actually another persona that Hank Pym took other than ant-man right right he, he took on the persona of uh, a yellow jacket. jacket well he because of some mistakes he had made and whatnot he was being punished by the avengers you know kind of sitting in timeout or whatever you want to call it by the avengers all right and it really ticks him off so he comes up with a plan to build a robot that he would be the only one who could defeat it uh, none of the other avengers could defeat the robot just hank Pym. okay and his plan was he'd show up he'd defend it he'd look like the hero and the avengers would welcome him back you know with open arms
1: as they so, should of course yeah
0: so already you're talking he's a little a little nuts narcissistic maybe he actually sends the robot to attack janet interesting because he wants to test it out and it attacks janet uh and he then he begins to kind of he actually takes like delight and the fact that Janet cannot fight off the robot. Now, this is his wife. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Yeah. And then when uh, he finally lets the tells the robot to let her go, she's just pleading with him, uh, saying, you can't do this, you can't go through with this. <sighs> and then Hank Pym slaps Janet. Yeah, we don't slap the ladies. No. And unfortunately, that is probably a key reason why
2: Hatles. he was not
0: brought in as an actual avenger why they went ahead and aged him so that that was in the past yet why they probably just went ahead they went ahead and wrote in the story where Janet had disappeared right and so yeah and and so they focused on Scott and not Hank Right, hopefully. For comic book fans, that was probably going to be something that was going to come up if you're going to
1: make Hank the superhero. Exactly. Let that be forgotten.
0: Next up, we've got Hope. Hope Van Dyne, played by uh, Evangeline Lilly, uh, who you and I both were introduced from for Lost. Oh, please don't bring that up. I still think fondly of that show. I don't care what people say. Uh, It just ended badly says you I still like it I still I think people I think people misjudge the ending I think they need to think of it a little bit more closely uh,
1: okay hard sale though it's gonna be a real hard sale for me
0: okay well that's that's another another time <laughs> another podcast yes uh, so the character of Hope was created for this movie not from the comics does not exist in the comics the closest you could probably get is that there actually is a character. It's Hope Pym, uh, it is, uh, you know, related, but she's a character called the Red Queen, she's a very minor character, right? but after this movie was made, they introduced uh, Nadia Van Dyne, uh, who becomes the new Wasp, so they kind of introduced her after the movie. Right, right, at the end, I, I remember the, the, the end scene there. Well, but I'm talking about in the comics.
1: Like oh. in, the, in the
0: comics, so hope did not exist in the comics and does not exist in the comics. Okay. But after the popularity of Hope's character from the movie, they then introduced a character named Nadia. Okay. Benheim. Gotcha. Um, because like I said, there was already a Hope Pym. Yes. But she was a very minor character. They that wasn't the case. Uh, however, our villain. Is from the comics, Darren Cross, Cross mm-hmm. played by Corey Stahl. Uh, he first premiered in the same issue that Scott became Ant Man. Uh, Marvel premieres number forty-seven. Okay. Uh, so again, he's the same same kind of catalyst uh, kind of here, except a little bit a little bit of difference here. So in the movies, he's the CEO of Pym Technology. He has a good history with Hank Pym. You know, he was pretty much mentored by Hank Pym. Yes. And he's just been corrupted uh, by the Pim Particles and, um, you know, the power and and all that. Yes. In the comics, he's the CEO of his own company called Cross Techn- Technological Enterprises, which they kind of allude that he's going to change the name of Pym's company. I did see that in the in the movie, yes. But what happens in the comic is he finds out that he's got a... A heart condition. And it ha- so happens that Scott Lang's daughter, Cassie, has the same heart condition. Huh. So in the comics, what the case is, is that Cassie has become ill, and Scott is trying to find a way to cure his daughter, who he exactly. loves. Right. And he finds this doctor who can do it, but what happens is, is because Darren Cross is also suffering this heart condition... Darren Cross, who's a bad guy, kidnaps the doctor, and so Scott has to try to save this doctor so that he can save his daughter. Save his own daughter, and right. thus the whole Ant Man, Scott Lang, Ant Man is born. Gotcha. Now, at the end of this, at the end of this story in the comic books, however, Darren Cross dies, so he never becomes a super villain. He never becomes this yellow jacket character. He he dies. Oh, okay. However, just like we talked about with Hope. After the movie and the success of the movie, they decided to bring him back in the comics. Okay. And, of course, they give us the retcon of Darren Cross has been cryogenically frozen this whole time. You know, because comics.
1: That's the only way you can save him.
0: Yeah. And his son actually kidnaps the same doctor and kidnaps that doctor to bring Darren back. Okay. And this time they kidnap Cassie because they want to remove her heart because they know that her heart has survived this operation. Okay. This procedure, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So they the plan is to remove Cassie's heart and put it into Darren. Just the old transplant into the evil guy. Yeah. Which they do. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that.
1: They do. Oh wow. Yeah, never even came close to that in the movie.
0: Yeah, and so Darren is revived. Uh, he fights Scott, but luckily the doctor is able to put another heart inside of Cassie.
1: That's right. You can't kill off the kid.
0: Yeah. But Cassie also, in the comics, you end up finding out, and I think it's because of this operation, I gotta be perfectly honest, I don't know an awful lot about this character, but you end up finding out that Cassie actually has Pim Particles in her blood.
1: That is interesting.
0: And so, when her heart goes into Darren Cross, Darren Cross all of a sudden can shrink and grow, but he doesn't know how to control it. Ah, that would be an interesting thing to have happen to you. And what they end up finding out is that he grows when he's angry. So, you know, like the Hulk. Hulk. mm -hmm. He grows when he's angry. He shrinks when he's calm. Okay, okay. And what they do, and again, this all comes after the movie. This is all in the comics after the movie. So what they do is they build the Yellow Jacket suit, and it's to help him control, control. his uh, shrinking and growing ability. So
1: he he wasn't able to stay calm all the time, or he would just shrink into nothing. I guess. I Again, I'm
0: not that familiar with this part of the comics.
1: And you would have to be able to control your anger, because if you just stayed angry all the time, like the Hulk, then you would grow so big that what you would explode. I don't know what would happen there. Yeah.
0: I don't know. So again, that takes us back to the character of yellow jacket. Right. Uh, again, the, the one we see in the movie isn't actually in the comics until after the movie. In right, fact, right. it was a few years after it wasn't until 2020 that oh. this happens. This whole Darren cross becoming yellow jacket to control his shrinking and growing ability. So, yeah, that's Very really interesting. Yeah. Like I said, before that, it was Hank Pym. He was Yellow Jacket. Uh, he first dons the Yellow Jacket costume in 1968 uh, in an Avengers comic. Uh, Avengers 59. I didn't write it down. Um, we'll go with that. Yeah. he's He was Ant-Man. And then when he started to kind of have his mental and emotional breakdown, that is when he dons the Yellow Jacket persona. Oh. Okay, and he was Yellow Jacket when he hit Janet. Gotcha. So that kind of plays into all of that. In fact, in the comics, he may this is another thing about Ant Man not being a really big character of the comics. Hank Pym was probably Yellow Jacket more than he was ever Ant Man. And that would make sense. So uh, again, Scott Lang, even in the comics, is more the more recognized Ant Man. And the, though Hank Pym was Ant Man and has been Ant Man in some of the cartoons and whatnot, right in the comics he's more Yellow Jacket. A lot of uh, people don't know that I'm sure,
1: unless you're you know into the comics. Uh, as the average fan, just one who watches the movies, I, I would have never known that fact.
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest. You would you have to be a big comic book fan to know a lot about Ant Man, because I'm not going to say I'm the biggest comic book person. But I, I do not know a lot, awful lot about Ant-Man. I really had to do some research to find stuff. There you go. I, I just want to talk about this, because you can't, even though they're not in the comics, we can't talk about these characters. What would you think of Scott's crew?
1: Louis, oh, Dave, goodness. and Kurt. Uh, Louis, Luis, oh, that's my guy right there. Uh, Michael Pena is, is one of my favorite actors. Uh, just almost every... Uh, character he plays in the movie he does it with just the best style and and for me from the very beginning when he's telling a story in ant-man mm-hmm. and you see you hear his voice over all the other characters mm-hmm. uh mouthing the words that is just hilarious I, I love how they played that part right there
0: and the fact that he's always smiling oh yeah just always Always smiling. It's just a brilliant character choice by Michael Pena. Uh,
1: yeah, and he, and he's he's so easily distracted by the, the the question at hand. You'll you'll get a a question, and then he'll take that question and go way off topic, and they have to bring him back to where, okay, this is what we're really talking about. Can you please just answer this question? Uh, because the story just evolves when he starts talking. It just. It just blossoms into something that's totally not related to what the original question was. I love it.
0: What would you think of uh, Dave, T.I. T.I. Uh, yeah. Yes,
1: yes, Dave did a really good job. That was a, a very well thought out and, and put together
0: crew. Uh, so would you be surprised to know this? T.I., when um, he was cast as Dave, he did not read the entire script. That he, doesn't surprise me. He only read the scenes that he would be in.
1: I guess he didn't want to be influenced
0: by anything else. That was kind of it. According to what I read is he said that he felt that it gave a very unique feel. That he only knew about the stuff that his character was supposed to know about.
1: Right. And that makes sense. Uh, again, just the way those three worked together. Uh, very unique combination uh not one that anybody else i think would have thought of
0: and then finally we got kurt uh and i'm gonna butcher this name uh david that's sounds good yeah a great actor uh i'm you know we're recording this now that he has played uh polka dot man in the suicide squad okay and of course he's big star from that i've know him from a bunch of other things I love that he made a choice that his character, Kurt, he decided Kurt would be obsessed with two things, Saturday Night Fever and Elvis. Okay. And so you kind of think of the way he looked.
1: Like yeah. The, that, kind of the,
0: that, the hair and... The hairstyle, yeah, that makes yeah. sense now. Yeah, so just uh, a... I love, like we talked about earlier, nice little co- comedic feel. We definitely have this group that were the comedic entertainment for the moment. Yes. Well, let's see. Was it Paxton that was the uh, the the cop
1: who was trying to catch Scott all the time, and then finally there at the end came around and uh, was able to kind of vouch for him, kind of give him an alibi that he he was not a bad guy but a good guy. And, yeah, and his that... his ex wife's new
0: husband. Yeah, yeah,
1: right, right. I liked how he came around throughout the movie. I think those that that character was done very well as uh, part of the, the whole storyline i liked that one another cassie great, another yeah. great
0: comedic actor bobby uh bobby Cannavale.
1: yep yep and and cassie uh, i think was very well done uh just the, the way that little girl i say little girl i don't know how old she was when she was playing the the, the role but uh certainly very young but very talented to be able to pull it off the way she did
2: Hello, movie viewers and fellow movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, and I'm the creator and host of Movie Views Presents, the 80s flick flashback podcast. See, I love the 80s, and I have a great appreciation and nostalgic passion for the classic 80s flicks that birthed my love for movies and ultimately helped shape my childhood. On each episode, I'll discuss, with a special guest co-host, of course, a different film from the 1980s. We'll share memories, favorite characters, iconic scenes, and even share some behind the scenes stories along the way. We'll discuss famous blockbusters like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Coming to America, Ghostbusters, Dirty Dancing, Top Gun, Die Hard, and many, many more. As well as some other cult classics and even lesser known flicks we discovered on cable TV or the now defunct video rental stores, remember those? No matter what 80s flick we choose to talk about, we'll always have a good time, so come and check us out. You can find the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast on major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. Be sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss a single episode. Once again, I'm Tim Williams, and I hope you'll join me for the next 80s Flick Flashback.
0: Alright, let's get into the moving panels. Uh before we even jump into comic book connections here, uh I want to talk about the what some people would find as a really random cameo, and that was that of Garrett Morris. You're familiar oh, with th- Garrett Morris, right?
1: Well no, I thought you were gonna say Stan Lee, but he was in all
0: the movies, so no yes. no no no. No, I'm talking about another connection here, and that's uh that's Garrett Morris who we see as uh he's a man driving a car that the one that scott lands on right after he he gets the suit and shrinks himself down right the the car that he lands on that garrett you see garrett morris in the car like looks up sees a little dent you know that and he makes
1: he yeah, like what the and then scott go, yeah. goes back to his normal size yeah that's yeah. the dent bigger i do recall that
0: yeah so you're familiar with garrett morris
1: i am now oh you didn't know who garrett morris was before i, that? T- I still don't know who garrett morris is really Really, so sorry. Garrett
0: Morris, one of the original cast members of Saturday Night Live, doesn't ring Still, a bell. Okay, I uh, probably didn't watch the the Wayans Brothers. No, I did not. All right, we're we're gonna pause here. Okay, gonna show uh, Reese a picture here, or a bunch of pictures, I guess you'd say, of Garrett Morris. Oh yeah, I mean I I know the character. Yeah. So you you've seen him in a bunch of different stuff. Oh, I've right? seen him in stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know
1: who he is. I just. I don't know his his backstory.
0: Well, that's fine, but but yeah. you're familiar with the actor Garrett Morris.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: So Garrett Morris, do you, so you don't know why he was in this completely random moment of the movie.
1: It it was just another character in in a place in the movie.
0: It uh, it didn't mean anything to me. Oh, okay. But it did. So here's the thing: there was a sketch on Saturday Night Live. Back in the 70s. Okay. And all of these other superheroes are showing up. And Garrett Morris plays Ant-Man. No way. Yes. Which technically makes Garrett Morris the first actor to ever play a live action Ant-Man. Okay, now it all makes sense. Yeah, and (laughs) so that is why he has this really quick... Completely seems random. Like you had to know what you were looking at, but that is why he makes this cameo. Is because he was technically the original Ant Man.
1: Well, that is fantastic. Again, uh, not knowing that that storyline, I would have never put two and two together.
0: Yeah, and again, I'll, I'll I might pause for a little bit of this, but I'm going to share. I, I just want to get the reaction here. I'm yeah, share no with. You found it, didn't you? With Reese. There's the, there's, there he is right okay. there. Garrett okay. Morris in the Ant-Man costume. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Now we won't talk about the fact that he's standing there talking to the Flash. Right. So a Marvel character talking to a yeah, DC, DC character. DC, that just doesn't normally happen. Yeah. yeah so that's beside the point. <laughs>
1: but that is funny. All yeah, right. So let the, the original Ant-Man.
0: Yeah. So uh, it's just a fun thing, you know. It's like seeing Lou Ferrigno in the Hulk movie. Like, hey, there's the yes. original Hulk. Yeah. Seeing uh Linda Carter in the Wonder Woman movie. Wonder Woman. Yep. Yeah. So we we gotta have the Ant Man from the 1970s, even though it was a sketch on Saturday Night Live. I love <laughs> I love that they give him credit for that.
1: They still pulled it in. Way to yeah. go.
0: All right, let's talk about really the only connections there are to the comics, and that's really just Scott Lang as a character. Right. Um, so, let's talk about his motivation. So, in the comics, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we do find out that he's an electrical engineer. He does turn to bur- uh, burglary. That's easy for me to say. Yep, he's a burgle. In order to make ends meet. <laughs> it, and originally, it was just out of boredom. Like, he, he honestly started going into burglary because he knew he could. Right. And he was just bored one day. You gotta love smart people that get bored. Yeah, let's see what we can do. He does his time. He gets reformed, so that kind of connection there. But again, as we mentioned earlier, he turns back to burglary when Cassie falls ill with her heart condition. Okay. Uh, he steals the Ant-Man suit from Hank Pym. But the difference is, is that in the comics, he knows that Hank Pym is Ant-Man, and he is going after the Ant-Man costume, the Ant-Man suit. Okay not that he stumbles upon it thinking he's stealing something else right he actually that was his whole intention was the ant-man suit
1: yeah in the movies they made it sound like he was going after the big score in this Mm -hmm. safe in some old guy's house
0: yeah but the same thing plays out pym actually sees it happen uh difference there in the comics he's actually again he's yellow jacket at the time and he's actually shrunk down and he's actually in the room watching scott steal the suit Take the suit, okay. Same thing. He tells him to keep the suit, uh, that he sees good in him. He thinks his motivations are pure and tells him to keep the suit. Right. Okay. Yeah. And off we go. Yeah. And, of course, in the comics, the slight differences are, I mean, in the movie, excuse me, the slight differences are is that we find out that he's in prison because he decided to get back at his employers for swindling their customers
1: Right. Feast um, decor.
0: Yeah. So they still kinda give him a you know, a, a good motivation for why he became a burglar. Right. And then this time it's more he's recruited by Hank Pym. It's kind of switched. Instead of yes. Scott knowing that Hank is Ant Man and going after the suit, they make this one look like Hank knows who Scott is. Yes. And then sets everything in motion <laughs> like going back to you talking about Louise's story. Yes, yeah, making the whole connection as to what led Scott to to go after the suit. Uh probably the only other connection I can pull from the comics is also his family. Um so as we've alluded to, he loves his daughter. He will do anything for his daughter. Yes. In the comics, they sometimes relay that as kind of being a bad thing because he would literally do anything, anything. to protect his daughter. Uh, right. Even if that meant, you know, sacrificing a bunch of other people. Right. You don't want that to happen. So I'm glad they didn't uh, use that storyline. Well, but I do like, though, it gives him fault, which I think every superhero has to have. Yes. Every superhero has to have that quote unquote weakness or there has to be you, you can't have an infallible superhero or they will not be liked by the audience. True. You know.
1: Um, as, and, and Cassie is a good weakness. If you're going to have one, it's you know a, a a kid is the one to do it. Your own child, you would do anything for them.
0: Yeah. Now a character we didn't talk about was uh, his ex-wife. You can't even remember her name right now. So so in the movie, her <laughs> name is Maggie Lang. Maggie, there you go. Played by Judy Greer. Um, yes. But in the comic books, her name was Peggy Ray. Um, why the change? I, well, I think it was just. Uh, to give her not as, since they're supposed to be in New York and all that, I think it was to give her not so much of a Southern sounding name, maybe because uh, Peggy def- Ray definitely sounds Peggy. like a Southern name. You are from deep Georgia on that one. Yeah, uh, what are you trying to say?
1: I'm saying we're 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 Southern as they get.
0: I think they also wanted to make a change because in the comics they do not have a good relationship. Peggy, okay, uh, you know ex wife Peggy in the comics, uh, and okay. Scott. In fact. When he becomes Ant Man, Peggy actually tries to use that to take custody of Cassidy Cassie, excuse me, away from Scott. Oh okay. saying that he wasn't a fit father because he was too busy being a superhero. Okay.
1: Well, I'm glad they didn't do that in the movie.
0: Yeah, no, I like that they, they give them a better relationship and, you know, even although I couldn't help uh, when we were watching it when I was watching it for the the podcast and we were kind of talking about i was talking about that with uh, my wife bethany she went well it's the santa claus okay it's the same story as the santa claus
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can see that now yeah
0: (laughs) well because because you're you know he's he becomes ant-man he's hiding it from his ex-wife and her new husband right right you know they later find out that he is in fact ant-man and then they actually at the end help him yeah so it's it's the same story as the Santa Claus. It,
1: it is a very good storyline. Yeah, right. I didn't,
0: I never drew that conclusion. Oh, I didn't either. That's all Bethany. Bethany Way gets all go, the Bethany. credit for that. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie. Okay. First thing I want to talk about is the very beginning of it, when we get kind of the setup for the story, and that's when Darren Cross gives his yellow jacket pitch. Okay. So you know they're in that room. He's showing everything up on the the screens. Right, and when you're watching that, I mean, is it not obvious this is a bad guy?
1: I think it was pretty obvious at that point. Um, you, you, maybe they were trying to make it obvious. I don't know, uh, but you, you got that feeling that yeah, he's not the kind of guy that you want to be doing business with.
0: Yeah, because even the video. I mean, the video shows the yellow jack, you know, all marching. Yep. And you know, very propaganda looking. Oh, but it's it's for national
1: security, though, so it had to be good, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, because that always works in movies. Yeah. If someone's building something for the military, that always makes them a good guy. That's right.
1: Stormtroopers.
0: Yeah. A well, movie you and I have talked about, Iron Man. Yeah. What about the movie's logic when it came to how the, the suit worked? What were your thoughts on that? With the, the quantum mechanics? Is that what we're talking about? Well, with the side, fact that it maintains mass. So when he shrinks, he still, if you know he weighs 180 pounds, he still weighs 180 pounds, you know, which is shown by when he makes the dent in the right. truck. Right, also, right. the fact that when he punches, he's still punching with the strength of a full-grown man. Right. I think to an extent that does flow pretty well, because you, you think about
1: they're, they're still trying to uh, show that small you know, size doesn't really matter. The ants can pick up, you know, 50 times their weight or so. Uh, So they're just, I guess, trying to maintain that same aspect.
0: But if they're saying that when you shrink something with the Pym particles, that it still maintains its mass. It'd be kind of hard for that little guy to run around, don't you think? Not just that. How do you explain the fact that Hank Pym is carrying a tank on a keychain?
1: Well, that's true. Didn't think about that until just now. Thank you for pointing that out. No, no problem. Uh, Maybe he's a really strong old man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, And then there's the fact that, so does that not work when things get bigger? Because then at the end, when they enlarge the Thomas the Tank Engine, it crashes through the house and crushes a cop car.
1: Right. If the mass is the same, then it probably wouldn't have crashed through the house and definitely would not have made a dent in the cop car.
0: Yeah. Would have just bounced off well wouldn't have crashed the house to begin with, right, but then that doesn't make any sense because if it got too big to fit inside the house, yeah, it's just the logic
1: yes that that doesn't really follow,
0: yeah, and again, it's a, you know before any listener or anything says anything, it's a superhero move we know we have to to have a certain level of disbelief, but you know, you gotta make your logic make sense, yes. What about the relationship that Scott and Hope develop? Because if you ask me, it just comes out of nowhere.
1: I don't know that it came out of nowhere. I, I could see when they were training, when when Hope was training Scott to, you know, be more martial arts kind of person. Uh, I could see that development right then. I knew at the end they were going to end up together somehow, some way.
0: Well, yeah, no, I think you you realize it, but... I don't know, to me, the fact that they're just all of a sudden lovey-dovey, you know, googly-eye, whatever, to each other just seems like, like there was no build-up to it. Like, there was nothing she, he all of a sudden did, I, other than take his shirt off.
1: That I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah.
0: that piqued her interest or made her realize he's not that bad of a, of a guy. Yeah, give him a shot. So, I don't know, I, I probably had an issue with that. I'm sure you weren't the only one. <laughs> uh, finally, should the whole idea of Ant-Man work as a superhero? Like, so shrinking, talking to ants? I mean, when, you, when you're a kid and you're asked, what kind of superpower would you want? That's not I'm one sh- you're coming up with. <laughs> I'm sure shrinking is not the first thing you think of. Uh, although we have often
1: talked about wanting to be the fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe shrinking is not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, but but you'd go invisibility. True, you wouldn't have to shrink for that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ah yeah, you you are correct. And I mean, talking to ants. I mean, Aquaman gets his uh, beef because he can talk. To his power is he can talk to fish. Nothing wrong with talking to fish. So is yeah. So should Ant Man have worked to being such a popular character? I
1: think it worked because. It was, uh, it was just, it was fun.
0: Maybe it was just a fun character and everybody loves to have fun. Um, Well, funny enough, Ant-Man is actually, Stan Lee had said that Ant-Man is one of his favorite characters. Ah. So I guess if Stan the man liked him, (laughs) we all should too. Exactly. All right, let's get into our final decisions. You know that on this show, we call it Bag It, Stack It, or Trade It, and I don't need to go through it. Reese, you've been on the show several times. You know what all this means. So what say you? Do you bag it, stack it, or trade it when it comes to Ant-Man the movie? I've bagged this one a lot. Any more you'd like to uh, elaborate?
1: No, I I bag it. I, I've, I've got it on DVD. I've got it on Blu-ray. I've got it on 4K Ultra, UHD, whatever that stuff is. Uh, I watch it on Disney+. Plus. Stephanie gets mad at me every time I stop when it's on TNT or TBS or one of the others channels uh yeah that's it's just a fun movie to watch so every chance I get I'm gonna take a
0: peek is that it though like it's just it's fun like that for me yeah it's just a fun movie yeah I I enjoy it I look I'm not not differ I I say bag it as well I like that it is a it's a heist movie
1: okay I mean you yeah
0: there. they're, they're they're going to steal something. Yeah, and yeah. you've got this ragtag group, um, you know, his crew that we talked about earlier, uh, all with their different personalities. Yes. Uh, you've got the arrogant, rich guy that they're trying to steal from with Darren Cross's character. Right, right. You know, I like that whole aspect of it. I like, like you talked about with the humor, I like not only the humor, the fact that it goes to almost slapstick style humor. Yeah. the fa- It goes to visual humor. I love the battle that's on the Thomas the Tank Engine train set, where we yes. see it from a normal perspective, and you're just seeing things get knocked over, like it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then you see it up close, and like things are exploding, and they're tearing its place apart. Yeah, yeah so for sure. I do love that. I love that visual, and I do think that's that's the Edgar Wright part of it. I do think that's where Edgar Wright's uh, ideas still existed was in those aspects of the movie fantastic yeah
1: i just I, again fun movie i i watch it uh, whenever i stop by it uh, on on the show so any any tv channel i'll stop and watch
0: well then i'm glad that uh you, you got to talk it over with me and thank you everybody for listening thank you reese for joining me um it's always a pleasure thank you sir
1: look forward to the next time
0: all right Uh, rate us and review us on apple Podcasts. get the show numbers up and uh, help us get us noticed by those who aren't familiar with this show yet follow us on social social media i can get those words out follow us on social media facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at moving panels but for today for my guest host reese i'm laramie wells and i'll see you on the other side of the page